Welcome to Deleted Saves. On this episode, The Callisto Protocol on PS5. Space horror, at least as far as media is concerned, is a relatively new subgenre of scares. And with the amount of survival and action horror games I've covered on this show, it was inevitable that I would touch on this area too. But in reality, the idea of space horror is only a sad sidebar to the matter of the game I will be covering today. Today's topic is a malign title that, quite frankly, ate way more shit than it deserved due to bad timing, cultural conflict with changes in opinions on how games should be made, and frankly unfair comparisons to a new revered titan in the genre that itself was shit on when it first debuted. Today I will be discussing 2022's The Callisto Protocol. Now, I think it is fair to say I have had quite the opposite reaction to what the big game think tanks on this title had, who were mostly negative. And where they weren't negative, they were middling at best. But I'll get to that in a bit. By now, I know the folks who came to listen to the show come to hear my often contentious or contrarian take on some of the most beloved titles out there. And not because I'm trying to be childish or churlish. It's just because they suck and deserve to be slapped around a bit. Or, of course, the opposite for titles that many disliked, but with the target of the slapping around being the audience instead. But I'm not saying this title is golden. It has issues. That is why I have adopted Callisto Protocol into my problematic favorites family. Anyway, where was I? Oh yeah, space horror. While we have glimpses in fiction involving terror from beyond the stars before this time, space horror as a film genre begins post-World War II with the American fear of communist infiltration and spies after the unleashing of the radioactive genie that was the atomic bomb, a misbegotten miracle of science we as a nation and a species could no longer run away from. But instead of the Red Menace, science fiction and fantasy began to focus on the Little Green Menace, usually from our nearest celestial neighbor, Mars. And because Hollywood was shit-scared of Joseph McCarthy, who was trying to rattle the cage of what he felt was a degenerate America by going after Hollywood and black citizens, much like J. Edgar Hoover during this time, who focused on hunting commies, radicals, and gay men while wearing his finest taffeta dress. And Hollywood would not directly do communist plots, but instead chose aliens to be their substitute. Space horror quickly got national attention in drive-ins across the land, usually with pie-plate-flying saucers zapping teenagers and army officers alike, but not always. There were plenty of other invasion movies, such as 1951's The Thing from Another World, where an Air Force crew stationed in the Arctic finds a frozen crashed spaceship that unleashes an alien impersonator. The world would better remember this movie fondly in its 1982 John Carpenter remake as The Thing. Also, 1958's The Blob, about a star jelly that lands on Earth and eats an entire town before being stopped but not killed. Or any number of outer space critter landing on Earth and killing us movie you could imagine. Once we achieved manned spaceflight and our moon landing in 1969, authors and movie makers the land over began to imagine humanity's future in space, living on colonies and terraforming entire worlds to fit our growing need for dwindling resources, and what to do with too goddamn many people due to a reckless or social and government enforcement. 
but just as many creators thought about what we would encounter out there in the black vacuum, far from home and perhaps beyond our understanding of our actual place in the universe, which is as an aberration and an accident, not as destined conquerors. This leads in to the concept of the haunted house in space, in which the soon-to-be victims cannot really leave or run away, often due to being stuck on a hostile planet environment or trapped on a small ship floating in space itself, where to try and leave is automatic death. It is true that most of these flicks were cheap exploitation efforts to cope the cinema and gore, and for the directors to cajole a bunch of young actresses to get their tits out for posterity's sake in pursuit of cash, but we had a few notable standouts, 1979's Alien being the primary example of the genre done right. Games were not really slow to adopt this idea, but more had trouble reproducing the efforts of cinematic masters due to evolving technology. Yes, there were space horror video games before, most notably the first two System Shock games in the 1990s, to less than well-remembered titles like 2002's Run Like Hell but the subgenre really got shot in the arm during the time when it was believed survival horror games were, once again, dead as a genre, with 2008's Dead Space. I'm not going to bore everyone by rehashing the past, but I have already covered the entire Dead Space trilogy, so if you want my thoughts on those, please check them out. But an understanding of Dead Space is absolutely critical to understanding of my next points on the Callisto Protocol, primarily because Callisto was the game Glenn Schofield and his team at Redwood Shore Studio, cum Visceral Games, were trying to make when EA got involved, and instead it became Dead Space. And of course, what was expected of Callisto due to its goodwill that Dead Space managed to pay for it, again, despite the game's own unfortunate history, until it became a cult classic. Let's begin. Long ago, Glenn Schofield and his creators envisioned a scary space game called Rancid Moon, which was a game where a prison colony on our moon gets invaded by an alien force. The idea got heavily modified to win over EA head staff after the team at Redwood Shores changed the format of Rancid Moon to look a fuck of a lot more like Resident Evil 4. But ever since, the Dead Space series took off and Glenn left to form his own studios after he left Visceral, well before it was shut down, he kept that original idea. Look, we already know what happened there. Scary Game evolves into a military co-op monster shooter due to studio interference, whole thing shits the bed, gets rebooted, but may never get another game remade because EA feels the remake did not make the kind of cash the remake would warrant. Oh well. But seemingly out of nowhere, the man responsible for introducing the world of Dead Space returns astride a gut-munching rancid meat space horse to try again. Returning to that previous concept, enter the Callisto Protocol. Taking place on Jupiter's moon Callisto, our protagonist Jacob Lee, modeled and performed by actor Josh Dumal, is a space trucker, a guy who takes jobs delivering cargo across the inhabited planets and moons and not asking too many questions about what he's delivering. His co-pilot Max is none too happy with whatever they are delivering, but Jacob is just trying to focus on the job and the paycheck afterwards, as this may be the last job for the United Jupiter Company. The game doesn't really begin there, however. We just start play there. It begins a few months earlier on the moon Europa, also one of Jupiter's moons. 
in which a large colony was wiped out by some sort of metamorphic disease in which the sufferers mutate out of control into monsters. Is it aliens? Is it science gone bad? We don't know. But the survivor of the event, Danny Nakamura, is certainly out for blood. She and her terrorist group called Outer Way board Jacob's ship while in flight, looking to destroy it as they have gotten a hold of the ship's manifest. Jacob and Max fight back, not really understanding why they are being targeted. Now, the ship crashes on the moon Callisto, where the only thing there is an interstellar prison named Black Iron Prison. Once there, and with Max dead in the crash, Jacob and Danny are arrested under both true and false claims and implanted with core devices, a cerebral monitoring device that monitors health and inmates' status at the prison, which will act as our back-of-the-neck HUD for the game. Jacob flatlines during this brutal surgical procedure, but matter-of-fact doctors at the prison shock him back to life, and he is disappeared into the bowels of the space clink. Jacob awakes later in his cell somewhere inside Black Iron, just as the chaos of whatever is happening happens. The game relies heavily on the formula of Dead Space, so if you have played that game, then you already know how this one plays out. Third-person, over-the-shoulder camera, limited scope of vision, heavy shadows, lots of screaming, and viscera plastered walls. So Callisto Protocol is not an exact clone of another in its own genre, so much as it is a lateral jump genre blend, mixing the concepts of Haunted Space Station and Haunted Prison. So Dead Space mixed with The Suffering, another game I've already covered. The warden of the prison, one Duncan Cole, is our bad guy for this piece, and his henchman, Captain Ferris, will be our best interface with evil throughout the game. Jacob awakes within the prison cell under siege by biophages, prisoners mutated with some sort of disease. And after escaping from his cell, Jacob meets another long-term prisoner named Elias, who needs rescuing to be helpful. The big conceit of the gameplay loop of Callisto comes in at this stage. It's not really a third-person shooter, but a third-person brawler. As for quite a while, Jacob's weapon of choice is a shock baton. The player will need to get into the rhythm of dodging at the correct time and blocking with the weapon to survive. And here comes my first rant of this review. This was not a hard mechanic. The block-dodge-dodge maneuvers of the early game to survive are not difficult. As soon as an enemy approaches, hold left or right on the control stick and retaliate when the monster stops swinging, and they are easily comboed, even on normal difficulty. Look, I'm getting old. My hands don't have the dexterity that they used to. And even I easily battered and smashed my way through the hordes without trouble. Many of the magnates and influencers of the game sphere already decry this method of play as too hard, too busted, too whatever, just bad. Motherfucker, was y'all playing the same game, or were you too busy grooming your asshole hairs to look good for your next Instagram or TikTok photo shoot to realize what you were doing? Tum fucks, the lot of you. This easy technique of game progress gets us through the first few levels of the prison, where we see Captain Ferris supposedly killed by biophages. Free Elias to help out, meet Danny again, who refuses to help us for reasons not yet clear, but only she is skilled enough to remote call a ship in orbit for everyone to escape. And we do start getting guns to keep us more in the survival horror style of the last decade, with an interesting mechanic of collecting discarded credits to buy weapon upgrades in the form of 3D printing new parts to improve the weapon. 
And all the hits are here. Pistol, revolver, shotgun, machine gun, even new parts for the shock baton. By mid-game, the ammo is plentiful as it was in Dead Space, and you spend more time shooting than you do brawling. So already the hits against the brawling mechanic fall away and fail under scrutiny. On the way to dealing with Danny, Jacob and Elias get attacked by Captain Ferris, returned and now infected. And they get thrown out onto the deadly cold surface of this Jovian moon, Elias dying of injuries along the line. Dying of, injuries, dying of injuries along the way. Danny arrives on a vehicle after Jacob fights his way through a surface horde of freezing undead prisoners, and the two decide to team up after Danny tries to call in the rescue ship, only to have Warden Cole shoot it down. This requires the pair entering the subtunnels of the prison, back when it was a mining colony, to try and find a way into the Warden's quarters. Along the way, the infection is out of control. Wet, palpating alien viscera covers the walls. The poor convicts are mutating out of control into stronger forms. The prison guard robots are killing at will, and no help is coming. Worse, Jacob is starting to have visions of what happened on Europa. This is because his core rig is starting to sync up with Danny's, and he's beginning to experience her memories. The pair meet a prison doctor along the way, Dr. Caton Mahler who was there from the start, when the alien larva was discovered on the mining colony that caused the first outbreak. This larva was considered to have miraculous mutagenic properties, and the prison was built by the UJC to experiment on prisoners because if a religious cult believes in forced human evolution. And that's what happened. Damn, Glenn was just hitting all these buttons again here. Danny has been infected by Ferris by this point, and after another fight with him, and Dr. Mahler promises to help her get cured and get all the information about this out into the public eye if they can do something about Ferris and Cole and secure rescue from Cole's hidden spaceship. Jacob, with dwindling options, agrees. Eventually, Jacob makes his way into the warden's offices and confronts Cole and is attacked by Ferris, who is now an incredible Hulk-sized mutant. Jacob also comes to realize his own part to play in both the destruction of Europa and Black Iron, as he realizes he was the one transporting the larva to co as contraband between both moons and accidentally helped commit genocide. And he decides perhaps he does belong in prison after all, but Danny is innocent. Upon defeating Ferris, he extracts the fallen captain's DNA to cure Danny, but Cole tries to convince Jacob to let this forced evolution take its course. Jacob refuses, and Cole sets off the self-destruct for the prison. Cole gives Danny the cure, rushes her to the warden's escape shuttle, along with the evidence, and ejects her off of Callisto. Just before the end, Dr. Mahler calls him to say there may be one more escape craft and he needs to hurry, but Jacob is attacked by a horde of mutant convicts and a reanimated Ferris. Fade to black, credits roll. But it's not really over. And here comes rant number two. Game devs, I'm saying this right to you directly. Do not, absolutely do not, lock your true ending to your game behind a DLC paywall. You want to establish goodwill with your players? The fucking ending of the game is not downloadable content. We saw Capcom and other developers pull this shit and it backfired spectacularly. You want DLC? 
guns, skins, side missions, extra playable characters. Yes, I hate not getting the whole package too. It's fucking bullshit, but that genie is so far out of the bottle it's taken up residence on the moon. We aren't ever going to get that back. But not game endings. Players play to find out what happens in a story-focused game. And you blue-balling your player base by removing the actual ending, like a prime cut of roast beef you have to pay $20 for, will fuck off then. Since Striking Distance and its publisher Crafton just did that, I'm going to tell you all how a game really ends. For free. So spoilers in fuckily coming. Y'all know I hate it saying that shit by now. Shortly after Danny is shoved into the escape pod and Jacob is attacked, he awakens somewhere in the prison with fractured memories. Mahler contacts him to say he needs to get off the moon. There is a ship, but he needs to collect the remaining data drives that have remaining evidence of Cole and his cult's crimes. His shock baton broken, Jacob now finds a robot-smashing sledgehammer to take on his new enemy, the prison guard robots who have now gotten out of control. He makes his way back through the prison, but it's not exactly as he remembers it, and he's collecting dating drives along the way and making his way to the escape ship. Mahler is guiding him remotely, saying not to bother with her, as she has decided to die with the prison for her crimes. The robots have somehow also been infected by the biophage, and are worse, and one kills the doctor, whose corpse survives, and Jacob must kill it as time is running out. Jacob reaches the escape ship, which is somehow his own original ship that crashed at the beginning of the game that has been rebuilt. But as he has mere seconds, he boards the ship and escapes into a blinding white light. Except he doesn't. The camera is drawn back to reveal the light was a pen light in the hand of Mahler as she was checking Jacob's vital, his pupillary eye response in particular. In reality, this ending has been the dying delusion of Jacob's brain, as most of him is missing and bleeding out despite being hooked up to life support. It turns out that Jacob did not survive the final attack by Ferris, and Mahler found his mostly dismembered body in the warden's escape room when she arrived, so the doctor hauled the dying Jacob back to her underground office and attached him to life support long enough to finish delivering the data evidence to Danny via Jacob and Danny's linked core rigs so that someone, anyone, can blow the lid off what happened here. Jacob's body finally dies and the self-destruct goes off, burying Mahler, her lab, and all of black iron in a lethal explosion. Now the credits can truly roll. Unless you count the goofs reel with Josh Jamal as Jacob is yelling into the black game over screen, asking the player where his legs got to and why he's hooked up to this machine and where Louise Barnes, Dr. Mahler's voice actress, went to and could she unlock him from all this stuff? Well then, fuck you, I guess. Yes, despite that pitch black ending, I loved this game. It was exactly what I hoped it would be. Thought it would be, and despite the hiccups, it turned and ended up exactly like a proper horror movie should. Nihilistic as fuck. I just wish I didn't have to pay $14.99 to find that out. Maybe that joke is on me. But here we fucking go with the rest of the rants. The Callisto Protocol started out life as a PUBG subsidiary game as Glenn was working at PUBG Studios at the time. But soon the game became its own thing, and the studio allowed him to form striking distance from himself and former co-workers at Sledgehammer Games. 
The game was developed for modern consoles with a grounded-in-reality feel for such a title. But Glenn got himself in a shitload of trouble when he tweeted about how hard the staff was working on the game in what was believed to be a glorification of crunch culture. Crunch culture has become a hot-button topic in the games industry in the last several years, as workers have gotten sick of being pushed around after, well, decades of taking it up the ass by corporate overlords. Glenn later deleted the tweet and apologized, saying that wasn't what he intended. And maybe that's true. But shit like that takes a life on its own in the wild, unthinking, and largely brainless internet, where any dumb fuck with an opinion and working fingers can voice whatever slow brain dribble is currently tweaking their dick. See the history of this show, I guess, if you want. Fuck you. But it was too late. Callisto already was a crunch culture game and a talking point for sleazy, feckless YouTubers and insincere journalists looking to get readers and accolades any way they can. Look, I do not agree with abusing your employees. I grew up around a man in a business who believed in working his employees to death and underpaying them because that's just the way things were done. And he felt that everyone should be willing to sacrifice themselves upon the altar of capitalism like he did. And it was just as shitty. Yeah, saying things like that's just how things were done back then is no real excuse. For most of human history, slavery was just how things were done too. But that doesn't make it right. But folks, I'm going to lay some hard facts on y'all. Games are an inelastic good. An unneeded economic dead end. Yes, people should be paid for their hard work. But we live in a culture where factory workers, nurses, truck drivers, fast food cooks, and whole other groups are underpaid and devalued by a handful of worldwide megacorporations that routinely and illegally union bust, lie on taxes, and cheat, but also control the underpinnings of our very lives and allow us to live and not have to work 12-hour days in the mines or in death trap workhouses, then having to go home and grow our own vegetables and make our own clothes as subsistence farmers on top of it. And those goods are far more elastic and necessary. But sure, if video games are the hill you wish to die on, go on with your bad self. Maybe you'll even make a dent in corporate America. I won't hold my breath, though. Sorry. So when the game finally did arrive on shelves and as digital downloads, it got a wide mix of reviews, many of them poor, ultimately ending up in mixed to average views, with mostly negative reviews on Steam. Many famous YouTubers which still is a phrase I never thought I would have to say in my life, and something as an industry I still do not really understand, as for much as they bitch about it, if they are still in the same boat with the rest of us, subject to companies that care about money and not them, and it is the only option. Those YouTubers made big showy videos about taking down the game or shutting it off and demanding refunds, all the usual shit, mainly because it wasn't dead space which itself was shit upon by many of those same critics when that game released nearly 15 years earlier. Hey, y'all didn't think I'd forget, did you? Y'all didn't think those statements wouldn't come back to haunt your stupid asses, did you? Well, fuck that, I guess. Because it's not like I can hold any of them accountable. They have millions of parasocial followers and endorsement deals and modeling contracts now, and are getting hired as actors. And I'm just some shithead with a little show in the dark corner of the net. But that doesn't mean I have to stand for it. In fact, the only decent and fair review I saw was by Jake Baldino from GameRanks and his own YouTube channel, who basically came down to, I didn't hate it, it's good, but maybe not what it was hoped for. Mr. Baldino, I'm going to speak to you for a moment. I don't know you personally, you don't know me or that I exist, 
But in all honesty, thank you for being a voice of evenness and reason in regards to this malign title. I'm not much for your peers in the field, but I appreciate your balanced review. But for the rest of you, I'm going to be blunt here. Y'all done fucked up on this title. Y'all fucking blew it so hard your lips have permanent wrinkly pucker. Callisto Protocol is honestly a good game. Did it need post-launch patches? Yes, but at this point, what game doesn't? What studio, whose cock your lips are currently suctioned to, doesn't release a busted product these days? I'm not saying it's good, but it is the world we live in, and nobody's really interested in fixing that. Don't believe me? I'll give you an example. The Callisto Protocol launched on PC in a very broken state, but on console it did quite well and worked as intended. What does that tell you? That it was optimized for console first, not PC. Oh, tell PC gamers that, and they'll bend themselves into whatever shape you like to appease their lord and savior, Gabe Newell, as fat a pustule a man as I've ever seen, and who couldn't give a grease shit less about them unless they stopped spending money. Or whoever the fuck his equal is over at Epic. I can't be arsed to find out who, and I couldn't care less. You know who's ultimately the problem lies with, then? Microsoft. Yep, Microsoft. I mean, as a developer of computer software, as in Windows, not as a console developer, in case someone out there was getting pissed off enough to start typing some moronic console war retort like the dipshit that you are. Nobody at Apple is running a functional mass-market gaming rig unless you count iPhones. A lot of these problems come from trying to optimize software to run on mass-produced Microsoft-compatible garbage because they own the lions and tigers and bears oh my share of the PC market worldwide. Everyone has to bow to them, even their rivals and competitors, unless you are a Nintendo. Look, I'll put it another way. Let's say you owned a business making hamburgers. Maybe they are great hamburgers, but nobody knows about them but a few locals. How good are you going to feel about it when McDonald's busts into your store and shoves its giant Ronald McDonald clown dick down your throat while saying either you do it our way or you don't do it at all? I'll let you all sit on that mental image for a couple minutes. Same with Microsoft and its PC bullshit. If your PC game comes out broken as shit, yes, the developer has some blame. But so does Microsoft and your PC parts that they all have to fit with. So share the blame there too, folks. Otherwise, your arguments don't hold the piss they are scribbled in. But don't take it out on the individual folks who worked hard to get out a product to entertain, especially in a hostile environment that doesn't really need them or want them. I say all this knowing that Sony is its own 800-pound non-competitive gorilla between hardware, software, TVs, DVD players, and everything else they've made over the decades, and have their own hands in, but I'd need a whole other episode to get into that one. Man, I have been making a lot of forced fellatio jokes in this review, but the metaphor is warranted. Now it's time for the piece de resistance, my final thoughts on why I feel this is a good game, but a problematic favorite. The Callisto Protocol gave us a short horror experience, well-crafted and gorgeous visually, in the exact vein of another beloved game title within the very same genre of survival-slash-action horror, and the same subgenre as space-themed horror. It did exactly what it said it would do. And y'all got mad because you got what you wanted, but yet not at the same time. Did I have problems? A few. A weird loading bug that while it auto-saved my current progress, it tried to load up a save from hours earlier. But there was a super easy fix for it, and my game continued without further issue. 
Does having to pay 15 bucks for the real ending chap my ass? Absolutely. That's bullshit. And probably the real issue here at the end of the day. Yes, it's linear, but a lot of horror games are. They need to be that way to tell their story. It stops being scary when you get dragged into an open-world multiplayer map shit. So if you enjoy that sort of crap, keep going on. I won't be joining you. And I'm sure neither of us gives enough of a shit otherwise to care. The combat is great. The sneaking is good. It feels solid in its progression with no confusion, loss, or turnaround. Fuck, it's Dead Space again in all but name. Which is why the developers considered it a spiritual successor. There was one or two areas where the death count got frustrating more than fun. But I got through them after a few tries and moved on with my life. And there's little more I can say about that. The biggest issues I have are the ending and the idea that this is a shit game, which it is not. If it's not your thing, that's different. And yeah, I get people get hyped themselves up for it and were disappointed, but that's a you problem. I warned y'all long ago not to fall for hype. Now, will we get a sequel? Fuck no, we won't. The main character is stone dead by the end by design. The game way underperformed for its studio and publisher, and Glenn himself has left the game development in the wake of its failure to go into something else entirely. I think he said something about he felt that he had no choice but to leave. I don't recall exactly. And I'm not sure, you know, why. But I'm sure some asshole somewhere feels like that's a victory. You do you, boo. But you're still a moron. And that is pretty much the life cycle of the Callisto Protocol. It was a glorious star burning out as fast as it arrived. Not like we haven't seen that before, either. Nothing I can say will change public opinion, and that's fine. All I ask, folks, that if you even remotely think that this is a game that may have something for you, and you want to try it, go ahead and grab it. It won't save the game or its reputation, but at least you may have some fun with it. Or not, I don't know. I'm not you. I don't do critical reviews or deep dives for a reason, and if that's your thing, go enjoy. As far as I'm concerned, this was a great game that never got the chance or love it deserved. Maybe rightly in cases that had nothing to do with the final product itself, maybe because not enough people were that interested to begin with. But hardly do I care. People fucked up when they missed out on this title. There, I've said my piece. Now get going. I'm going to hang back and enjoy my problem child favorite. Thank you for listening. Deleted Saves would like to thank Brad, Keith Gasper, Orden Wells, and Mass Lama for being patrons of the show. If you would like to become a patron of the show, please go to patreon.com and check out Deleted Saves podcast. All donations go directly towards maintaining the show itself. Thank you.